0: Guys, as you're sitting down, turn to somebody next to you and answer this very important question. Favorite sad song of all time? All right. All right, what do we got? I need a, I need a, couple, of, a couple of examples. What do we got? Favorite sad songs? Give me a couple on this side. What? What? Teardrops in My Guitar? By Taylor, Swift. by Taylor Swift. All right, Teardrops in My Guitar. All right. I'm like the only one that doesn't know that song, apparently. OK, how about anybody else over here? Christmas, dudes? Okay. OK, OK, OK. Over here. Uh, by Ed Say it again. Unsteady by Ed Sheeran. Unsteady by Ed Sheeran. OK, OK, any more? Yes say something. I've heard that twice. That was in the other service, too. All right, yeah, in the back. You're going to have to do it again. My heart will go on, Celine Dion. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll I'll tell you a couple of mine. It's hard for me to break it down, Um, uh, you know, to to break it down to just one, but uh, at the top of the list, no doubt, would be uh, the sound of silence, Okay? But here's an important part, and this is not easy. Like, my default is the Simon and Garfunkel original, but dude, the disturbed cover, so good, right? Also, Broken Hallelujah by Pentatonix, their cover of that song, it's good. Well, I bring that up tonight because we continue our journey through the Psalms uh with our our prayer over the course of this semester is that our faith will be a faith that is rooted um in in the heart and in the message of the psalms as as they are given to us as a gift from the lord uh and tonight it is a distinct privilege of mine uh to teach about and reflect on one of my absolute favorite psalms in the whole book psalm 13. So if you want to follow along, you can open up your Bible, or if you need a Bible, our friends in the back can bring one out for you. Uh, psalm 13 is near the front, uh, about halfway in the middle of the Bible, uh, kind of breaks up the Old Testament. Um, and if you're not sure what a, a psalm is, here's a, just a little primer for it. Uh-oh. Oh, fail. Okay, that works. Oh, oh, yes! So exciting. These, uh, Psalm 13 is what is called a psalm of lament, and if you don't know what either of those words are, here are, uh, we're going to have to help me out back there. Um, Here's a couple examples. Move to the next slide. A psalm is a song, and so that's uh, pretty straightforward, and a lament is a passionate expression of grief. So if it's, uh, it's, Put those two things together, and what we have are the Bible's version of the sad song playlist, right? There's actually, besides Psalm 13, there are 60 of these in the Bible. And they make up the majority of the Psalms uh, that we have. So 60 of them, that's over a third of all the different kinds of Psalms that there are, over a third of them are songs of sadness or psalms of lament. Just kind of surprising, isn't it? All of these songs in the Bible, impassioned songs of lament, songs that are crying out in disillusionment, in hurt, in sadness, in anger, in doubt, in depression, all of these songs crying out to God for deliverance. 60. And Psalm 13 is the Psalm of Lament par excellence. In its simplicity, in its honesty, its beauty, and its brevity, its its briefness, uh, it is really unmatched by the uh, um in, in terms of all of the Psalms. There are lots of them in there, but this one is one of my favorites. So I invite you to hear the words of Psalm 13, a passionate song of lament. How long will you forget about me, God? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I carry pain in my soul and grief in my heart day after day? How long will my enemy triumph over me look at me answer me lord my god revive me or i will sleep and never wake up my enemy will say i've prevailed over him my adversary will rejoice when i fall I trust in your unfailing love. My heart will rejoice in your salvation. I will sing praise to the Lord because he will spread his goodness over me. The word of our Lord. powerful song. Can you feel it? It's so refreshing. It's so honest. You can feel the pain of the words. You don't have to have me even say it, but you can feel them when you read it. How long, how long, how long? Look at me. Answer me. There's so much passion in the words of this psalm, this longing that you can feel rise up in you even when you read it for God to be who he says he is to step in to intervene make himself known and there's this hope in there this hope that in the face of what seemed like hopeless circumstances verses one through four don't lend themselves a lot to the to what we get in verses four and five verses one through four is everything's going to hell In verses 5 and 6, somehow there's a turn. How is that? We want to look at that together tonight. But let me ask you a question first. When was the last time you heard somebody pray like this in church or in a small group? When was the last time you heard somebody pray with this kind of passion? urgency i would dare say most of us don't have much experience with these kinds of songs in church i think most of us have grown up in a day when in the church at least as it is in in north america we by and large have expelled grief from our worship most of our songs and prayers, what are they are sung uh, in worship, in, in any context, this isn't a critique on any particular church or place. It's just by and large, whether it's in church or on our Spotify account, most of the songs that we're paying attention to go something like this. They're either, Yay, God! Or, I'm really sorry, God. Right? It's either one or the other most of the time. And that's, If that's all we ever say in our songs and in our prayers, the message that gets communicated to us is just the message that we observe. We didn't make it happen. It's just a part of what we live in. The message is grief doesn't belong here. This isn't the place for that. I've even had some of you come up and tell me during the week, I'm sorry I I couldn't come to worship on Sunday. I just couldn't get, I couldn't get there. I couldn't get myself in a place where it was okay for me to to worship, meaning to to be kind of happy and joyful. I couldn't get there, so I just couldn't come. Because worship is a place where you're supposed to be happy, right? It's either yay God or oh, I'm sorry God, I screwed up. Guys, that's why I love, love the Psalms of Lament. Because Psalms like 13, they're a protest. A protest against a lie that many of us grew up believing. A lie that says grief doesn't belong in worship. They don't fit together somehow. They live in different houses. But this psalm and all of the ones like it, Psalms of Lament are a protest against a culture of denial that somehow says faith and pain can't live in the same house. That some, what the Psalms like Psalm 13 will do for us, if we will let them, is give us a faith that's centered in the Word of God, in the Scriptures that are given to us and not in a culture of denial. What an incredible gift. The Psalms of lament seem to have no problem articulating this truth, a truth that we all know. We're not always happy. Life isn't always working out. We're not always excited to see what God's doing or see God doing anything at all. The honesty of these psalms, the psalms of lament, they protest a phony, unbiblical facade that says, everything's going to be okay. No, what they do is they show us. They show us that to bring our grief before the face of God is not an act of unfaith, but in fact, just the opposite. To bring our grief into the presence of God can be a profound and deep act of worship. It's one of the first things we take note of in Psalm 13. How long will you forget about me, God? How long will you hide your face? How long must I carry this pain in my soul? How long will grief consume my heart day after day? These are words right out of the scriptures brought before the face of God in worship. What a gift. You know, Jesus himself prays this way. If you guys would move, uh, help me move to the next slide. Jesus himself prays this way. When he enters the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing full well what's in front of him, that the cross and his trial are on the other side of the dawn, Jesus enters into the Garden of Gethsemane with this prayer Grief is squeezing the life out of me. It sounds an awful lot like Psalm 13, the Psalms of Lament like 13, they show us that to bring our grief before the face of God is not a lack of faith. It is an act of deep and profound worship because the honest expression of grief is what leads us into honest and earnest prayer. Look at me. Answer me, O Lord my God revive me or I will sleep and never wake up. And You can't pray that prayer if you're in denial, can you? You can't pray that prayer if we're saying, ah, everything's going to be okay, it's all going to be okay. God is good, He'll work it out. You can't pray that prayer in denial. No, this kind of honest and earnest prayer, it can only come through the passionate journey of lament. Have you prayed a prayer like that before? Maybe you haven't done it in worship because there, was not, there wasn't permission to pray that way. But have you prayed this kind of prayer to God in your journal, on a walk, with a friend who you could trust could hold this kind of dissonance? God, I've been praying for weeks that you would take the pain of this breakup away. Look at me. Answer me. Do something. God, I've been praying for years that you would take away my addiction to pornography and I'm still struggling. Look at me. Answer me. God, I've been praying for months that you would take away this cloud of depression that is hanging over my head. Look at me. Answer me. God, I have been praying for weeks that you would take away my mom's cancer. Why haven't you done it? Look at me. Answer me. Have you been there? Are you there right now? You need God to break through because you are going down for the count. The Psalms of lament, they empower us. They empower us to stop pretending. Stop pretending like everything's going to be okay. Stop pretending like it's all going to be fine. Let go and let God No. Instead, what they empower us to do is to be honest and earnest in our prayers, look, answer, revive. What a gift. Again, our Lord Jesus demonstrates this for us. Matthew 26, in the face of his trial and crucifixion, Jesus begins saying, Grief is squeezing the life out of me. And then he turns in his, to make his prayer, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. This kind of honest and earnest prayer that we learn in the Psalms of Lament clears out all the pretense that somehow we're going to fix this. That somehow it's all just going to be fine. And brings us into honest and earnest prayer to God. Do something. And when we pray this kind of prayer, be ready. Be ready for God to intervene. But frequently in ways that we have not expected. Miraculous things, but frequently unexpected. Frequently, when I've, when I've prayed or if I've uh, been with others who have prayed this form of prayer, God will intervene in some ways that we could not have expected. Sometimes it comes this way. You're living, a person's living under the shadow of depression, and God miraculously intervenes by bringing a therapist into their life who can guide them out of dark places. Someone who's in the depths of addiction finds through a series of unusual events their way into a support group where they find the pathway of deliverance and freedom. That is miraculous intervention of God. Just as miraculous, I say to you, brothers and sisters, as if God were to send something down directly from heaven because God weaves together all of our stories in such a way that as he hears these honest and earnest prayers and we're in a posture of saying, whatever it is, do something, we're actually open. Open to God doing things that we may never have anticipated. Miracles. Unexpected. But nonetheless. Psalms of lament, like Psalm 13, they teach us That to express our grief to God is a deep and profound act of worship. Secondly, they teach us how to be honest and earnest in our prayers. The last thing we learn from this little prayer and the ones that are like it is that they anchor our grief and our prayers in the solid foundation of God's unfailing love. With all of this going on over here, over here, and as the text says, my enemy triumphing over me. With all of this going on, somehow the psalmist is able to say, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart will rejoice because of your salvation. I will sing praise to the Lord because he has spread his goodness over me me the last line of this psalm is so complex in its beauty and its elegance like any poetry i don't know any of you creator any of you poets in the room creative writers anybody to be willing to commit to that idea no ah some of you guys got to become poets songwriters we need it we need it in the church guys Somebody, but those of you that have some familiarity with poetry recognize that poetry is complex and many uh, it has many different colors and contours to it. So it's really hard to get a grapple on in one language. To translate it from an ancient language into English, oh, it's so hard. I'm so grateful for people who do translation for a living. But occasionally things get missed in translation. This is one of those examples. There is uh, there's a a, an, a repetition in the text that gets lost in the translation, a repetition of the little phrase, over me. It's very intentional. Verse 2, the grief-stricken lament, how long will my enemy triumph over me? It seems like I'm covered on all sides with this grief, God, this uh, this enemy that just won't leave me alone. It's got me covered on all sides. It is over me. But then the plea is met with this amazing statement in verse 6. I will sing praise to the Lord. Why? Because He will spread His goodness over me. There, there is a genuine and hopeful expectation in these words that God's unfailing love will be spread over me and because of this there's always hope every situation and all circumstances always hope in this God's unfailing love will be spread over me this is the core of the psalm Not that we can endure the hardship. And not that we can just kind of suck it up and march on. Not even that we can fix it and change the circumstance. But that God, because of his unfailing love, will spread his goodness over us. And his goodness over us is greater than whatever enemy is attacking right now. I will sing praise to the Lord. He will spread his goodness over me. That's why Jesus concludes his prayer in Matthew 26 the way he does. Before the prayer, it's grief is crushing the life out of me. It's an honest request. Father, if there is any other way, take this cup from me. But ultimately, Jesus' prayer concludes in this incredible statement of trust. But not what I want. What you want be done. That's a prayer that's rooted in the trust of God's unfailing love. Psalms of Lament, like 13, they are a gift to us. Sad songs, they say so much. Nobody got that Elton John reference, that's all right. Sad songs, they say so much, y'all got me. We'll save that for when I preach this in another context. That's all right. These sad songs, guys, they're a gift. They're a protest. A protest against the culture of the Nile that all of us live in. They teach us. They teach us that to express our grief to God can be a deep and profound act of worship. They empower us to be honest and earnest in our prayers. And they anchor those grief and those prayers in God's unfailing love. It's that unfailing love that leads to the Apostle Paul, whose teachings are literally littered with the Psalms. If you read the Apostle Paul's letters and you put that up right alongside of the Psalms, you can't help but hear the words of the Psalms constantly in his writings, it's just everywhere. So, from a man whose heart was rooted in this, he writes these words in Romans 8 Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble? Hardship? Persecution? Poverty? Disgrace? danger, violence. No. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through Him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, not angels or demons, not the present or the future, not any powers, great or small, nothing in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That is a statement that is rooted in the faith of the Psalms. A faith that trusts in God's unfailing love. So much that we can say how long look answer revive and know oh yeah that prayer is going to get answered the uh, band is going to come up and uh, play a song that may or may not be familiar to you Uh, it's called even when it hurts and as they lead us we're going to have some space to pray to pray a psalm your own psalm of lament To bring your grief before the face of the Lord as an act of worship. To pray honestly and earnestly for God to bring His deliverance and to proclaim and profess together our trust in His amazing, unfailing love. We do this, guys, because we have a good Father. Who promises nothing can separate us from his unfailing love so let's seek his face together